Hello again, friends. Ed We're Harrell. live. We're live. So good to be with you. <laughs> this is another Life with Breath expert series, and today I'm blessed to have the amazing Michelle Kelly from Pal Therapy uh, with us, and we're going to spend the next hour just really taking a good look under the hood and seeing if there's some ways that we can help folks live a more joyful, happy, purpose-driven life. Michelle, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm grateful to be here. And I'm excited to chat with all of you hum humans that decided to join us today. You know, I ran into Michelle through some mutual friends at the tram line in Snowbird. And folks have been mentioning to me, uh, you know, you got to meet this Michelle Kelly. Like, she's just really special. You guys are going to have so much in common. And then uh, about a week later, who do I meet in the tram line? <laughs> And, you know, the tram line is where you, you meet some really interesting human beings. True. And I immediately knew the first few minutes when I uh, bumped into Michelle that she was really the real deal. And, you know, what she's doing is just so great. She's helping people in so many different ways. And I'm so excited to have her uh, with us today. But before we get started, let's just see if we can take a minute and meditate for a moment on our breath and use our mind to connect us to some of the deeper, deeper flows of energy that are available to us when we can get silent. So if it's appropriate for you, let your eyes close, plant your feet firmly down into Mother Earth and just feel the energy of spring radiating up through your feet, into your spine, into your mind, and shifting your awareness to the features of your face and just softening any old tension or anything that might be present there that is causing the brain to feel a little restrictive or repetitive. And then shifting your awareness to your nostrils and you'll find this exchange of energy. And as you begin to slow your breath down, breathing only through your nose, begin to release and relax your belly. And as your belly relaxes, Allow your awareness with your breath to move behind and below your navel. And on the next breath, reaching further down into the pelvic bowl. And as you begin to become one with your breath, begin to take the energy of your pelvic bowl up into your brain and imagine your spine as this beautiful elevator high rise between the brain and the pelvic ball. And as you breathe slowly, lift the energy of your pelvic ball up into your brain and drop the energy of your brain down into your pelvic ball. And allow this ride to be smooth. And as the body and the brain become one, we land in the heart. This beautiful organ. And while you're in the heart, tap into your finest qualities. Your ability to be present in a fearless state of creation. And know that the best days of your life are in front of you.
begin to deepen your breath and allow the breath to go wherever it requires service. God, it feels so good to be with you. When you're ready, just lift that beautiful upper eyelid up. Reconnect with the environment that you're in. Ah, Michelle Kelly, thank you so much for coming in here today. It's Michelle's idea to, to come up to headquarters here in the house to do this. So we're in a little different setting and it ends up being fantastic. Like I really enjoy being out of the office and, you know, in a live interview, you know, kind of post COVID or whatever that was. It's, <laughs> it's just great getting back in, in touch with human beings again. I, I'm a, I need to be around people. I, I admit it. I don't, I don't do well alone. I'm working, doing the best I can, but when I'm with people, I really feel that deeper sense of service, the deeper sense of the purpose of my birth. And <clears throat> when you get around Michelle, something in you begins to magnetize and turn on and the finest parts of yourself begin to come to the surface. The lower parts begin to fall away and you begin to you get excited and curious about what's next. So Michelle, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. <laughs> it's always hard to know where to start with something like that. It does. But I think probably the most, I think the most natural place to start mm -hmm. would just be like when I was a little human being, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a mental health therapist. I'm a sex therapist. I'm a professional dancer. I'm a trauma therapist. But I think the thing that stands out to me the most is that when we are children, how we are just so free, mm -hmm. you know, like we are free to be ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're so intuitive. We're mm -hmm. so connected and just loving and curious and creative and fun and wild and crazy mm -hmm. and real, mm -hmm. yeah. you yeah. know? And like what I discover in therapy is that we have these life experiences and mm -hmm. they start to put these lenses of, trauma and shame and distress and fear and resentment and it kind of steals away that mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. pure beauty that's always yeah. within yeah. us um as a mover i have just always felt like so i started dancing when i was three mm. and that is just something that i didn't realize how healing it actually was mm. for me you mm -hmm. know yeah. so as a therapist today one of the phrases that you hear a lot in the therapy world is feel it to heal it right because so many of us don't know how to process our pain right and so we'll mm. suppress it or shut it down mm -hmm. but the thing that was so wonderful when i started dancing at a young mm -hmm. age is i feel like i was always able to pretty much process the energy mm -hmm. and information that was coming up and moving through me but i didn't really know that's what i was doing Right, right, right. You know, there wasn't any words to describe it. There weren't words to describe it. I just knew that if I was having like a sad day or a hard day, mm -hmm. I could dance it out. Right. You know, and it right. was like I let my body feel it and it let it move through me. And like probably every human being mm -hmm. on this planet, I had trauma and mm -hmm. hard times and different things like that. But because I was able to feel it and let my body move through it, I was able to heal it. So I feel like I have like a a resilience mm -hmm. because of movement and because of like just my body has mm -hmm. been my safety yeah you yeah. know yeah. so being embodied has been very natural mm -hmm. 
most of the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, there's always caveats to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, breaking this down to like the 101 level, you know, we have this child, this inner child, and he or she gets to express themselves freely without He, language. she, or they. Or they gets <laughs> to experience themselves. You know, where do we begin to see the transition start to take place from the body and the freedom of the body to kind of the mental boundaries of how we allow the world to see us? Yeah. You know, that's just so unique to every single individual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because some people, when they're in the Mm -hmm. They're exposed to toxins, they're exposed to trauma and mm -hmm. stress, they might yeah. have like difficult births, mm -hmm. birthing experiences. Mm -hmm. So I think it really depends on so many different influences on life. Sure, sure. You know, but it kind of seems like, and maybe you guys see something mm -hmm. similar, but it kind of seems like that age, like three and below is where there's just that uninhibited like expression. Right. right. And then mm -hmm. you start learning the power of yes and no. People say no to you. People say yes to you. And you start to yeah. kind of learn yeah. how to adapt to your environment. Yeah. Can I, know? can I move these boundaries? What's mine? What's yours? You know, begin to form these, these safety practices for ourselves between the ages of like three and 10. And we learn, we construct, we begin to build how we want to be seen and heard. And then some at some point in life, we need to begin to unlearn. Deconstruct. These. We have to unwind that old subconscious brain. And, and, you know, that's really where the rubber hits the road for like a lot of folks, because we begin to realize that the world has changed. And I'm responding to the world today the way I was 30, 40 years ago. And I'm just not able to keep up. Yeah. Because the way we responded back then may have been useful at that time, but it's right. just not useful anymore. Right. Particularly with trauma. Right. And stuff like that. Yeah. You know, the body is learning to adapt based on whatever you need to do to get through that moment. Mm -hmm. And then you keep those coping skills mm -hmm. and they're commonly not helpful anymore. Right, right, right. And so as an EMDR therapist, which is a it's a particular type of therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, it was initially created for post-traumatic stress disorder, right? but it's been around for over 30 years now and they've just through research and anecdotal evidence, you know, have been able to figure out that EMDR therapy can be useful for so many different things, depression, yeah, yeah. anxiety, trauma, even uncertainty, you know, like if somebody's uncertain, if they want to remain in their marriage or not, like to be able to really go deep and process what that means. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I believe in as a therapist is getting back to being embodied mm -hmm. so that we can actually heal mm -hmm. because if we don't allow ourselves mm -hmm. to like feel it so that we can heal our body's not going to process it. Yeah. So something real special about EMDR therapy versus talk therapy. If I go into a therapist and I'm mm -hmm. talking back and mm -hmm. forth, it keeps me very much in my cognitive mind. Right which has some benefits, sure. but there are also some downfalls because we don't only store memory in our thought process. Right. We don't only store memory in our thoughts. Right. We store memory in our images, mm -hmm. our thoughts, in all of our body sensations mm -hmm. and our emotions. Yeah. So when we have trauma, it's a felt experience. It's not just mm -hmm. our thoughts about the experience. And so in order to process it, you have to feel that experience so that you can actually move through it. Mm -hmm. So part of EMDR therapy is allowing people to be embodied with the energy and emotion that's coming up within them. So it can actually move through them versus kind of staying stuck and 
trapped in their body, that undigested energy that's affecting their now, mm-hmm. when their now is actually safe, but it doesn't feel safe. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, you can't lie to your feelings. and uh, But your feelings can lie to you. All the time, yeah. all the time. Now, you know, you offer so many different services to, to help people, you know, stay on that true north. You also uh, work with, I mean, who hasn't heard of Dr. Daniel Amen? Mm. You know, he's just been a big part of the, the healing process for humans uh, since the 90s. How'd you get involved with Dr. Amen? So, in order to be embodied, I believe that's a full body experience. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, letting my body be in the present moment which our body's obviously always in the right, present moment right, right. whether or not our thoughts are there with us or not but for me being a body means like treating my human body mm-hmm. really well so that mm-hmm. it can function optimally yeah. because there's a lot of different influences that can make our body just get out of whack mm-hmm. you know and so i just have a real belief in the power of holistic health so that we can feel good Mm -hmm. you know so i kind of felt like there was a gap in my therapy practice Mm -hmm. because i believed in holistic health but i'm like how do i actually like support people in this how do i help people like buy into the importance of this Mm -hmm. you know the Mm -hmm. influence of nutrition and hydration and reducing our toxins and just all these different things and I happened to hear Dr. Daniel Amen on a Jay Shetty podcast Mm -hmm. and he was talking about his brain health certification course. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I need to do that. And it's been powerful. Um, For example, one woman that I've worked with had a head injury Mm -hmm. and that head injury activated PTSD Mm -hmm. that had been dormant Mm -hmm. for years and years and years. And it was hard for her family to believe that, she was actually experiencing that after all these years when she had zero symptoms of it before mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let's go to the Amen Clinic, get a spec scan, because you can see the functioning of your brain and you mm-hmm. could physically see the PTSD in her brain. Mm-hmm. You can physically see it. Mm-hmm. And so it's super validating for families and the individual that's hurting to go see the physical, tangible evidence and then have like, the least toxic treatment plan possible to support that healing. Yeah. 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 So his work is amazing. And it's just a way to like, if we're not actually looking at what's going on in our brain, Mm -hmm. how do we know how to heal it? I mean, we we might know how to heal it, but it's hard for people to buy in until they see it. So another example is what they've seen in the spec scan imaging is there's seven different types of depression, seven mm-hmm. different types of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And if you're going into a psychiatrist to get medication, they're basically guessing and mm-hmm. hoping what they're giving you is going to work. Mm-hmm. But if you go in and do the spec scan imaging, you can say, okay, what part of my brain is overactive? What part of my brain is underactive? What right. part of my brain is working well? Right. So that they can cater the treatment plan to how your brain is actually functioning. Well, that's a really great great way to deal with folks because you know there's a reason why they call it medical practice but we definitely want to have as much information as possible before we begin to interact with with our patients because we don't want to have to double back you know because patients are are reaching out and, and they want results quickly i think folks don't realize how sensitive the brain is it's the greatest thing ever created in the universe the human brain and protecting this brain at all costs 
should be paramount in all of our activities. Yeah. And you mentioned people want quick results. <clears throat> And that's part of the problem mm -hmm. because to get sustained healing and to get sustained results mm -hmm. means making lifestyle changes. Yeah. And that's a hard pill yeah. to swallow, yeah. you know, sometimes if you yeah. really want that true health and wellness, it does require making lifestyle changes. And not yeah. everybody's ready for yeah. that. You know, everybody wants to be different, but nobody wants to change. And the only thing permanent is change. Every, if we can look to nature around us all the time. And today is different than yesterday at 315 in the mountains. We might not be able to pick it up, but it is so intricate, all the little changes that are available mm -hmm. to us. That's so true. You know, it's really hard to know where to dig in because everything is changing so quickly. So we have our fundamental core beliefs, which is hopefully, you know, I am a human being in practice. I am growing. I'm trying to learn new things every day. I'm trying not to feed. Mm -hmm old emotions and thoughts that I know when I bring energy to them, I feel sad or shame or uh, aggression. So, you know, we're all a work in progress. All of us are connected by our hearts. There's huge empathy for all of us. How do we, how do we start to all see that we're all kind of in the same incubator? <laughs> you know, we're all going through oh, the same. Oh, my word. The world would be such a beautiful yeah. place if we could tap into the truth of that. Yeah. Like one of my favorite sayings for myself mm -hmm. and with clients, if somebody's just mm -hmm. struggling, if they're in tunnel vision to their experience, you know, to help expand that awareness and see life as what it really is. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite sayings for myself is I'm a beautiful human being. Yeah on a living planet mm -hmm. suspended in the universe right that is true like i know that is true i think unless yeah. it's some matrix or something but i'm a beautiful human being on a living planet suspended in the universe and i feel like we have to remember like that simple mm -hmm. magnificent truth mm -hmm. to stay connected to that bigger picture yeah. but it can be difficult you know because of trauma and right like I mean, obviously there's seven plus billion people on this planet and we're all having different experiences yeah. and we all have different privileges and we all have different access mm -hmm. to health and wellness opportunities. And, you know, I, I consider it a privilege mm -hmm. to be able to work on my mental health, to mm -hmm. be able to work on optimal wellness because there are so many folks in, on this planet that don't have access to that. It's yeah. not even in their mind because they're more in survival mode. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I consider that a privilege. Yeah, it's such a great reminder, you know, in a daily practice, you know, when you get up in the morning and, and just give yourself some props, you know, give yourself before you get out into the game, you know, remind yourself, I'm doing the best I can. I'm a beautiful person. There's a bigger picture to my journey that I'm aware of at this time. And, you know, that's basically it. You know, we're all moving through this life so fast now. And, you know, as life unfolds, the time seems to go faster you know when you're younger you're going to fix everything tomorrow and it's all going to be great but after a while tomorrow becomes today and you begin to go wow i gotta make some lifestyle changes i know because the truth is we're we're not going to be here forever you know it's like what do we want right. to do with our this time? is not a dress rehearsal <laughs> no. this is actually you know this isn't golf you're not getting a mulligan yeah you know even though we're all forgiven to some degree there's yeah. great compassion out there for us if we just want to look to it before we begin to compete with ourselves or create artificial competitions with others. You know, it's all 
just such shallowness to the human experience because the heart doesn't know any of that. It's just happy to be in a body. Yeah. So how do we like spread that energy? I believe it's just like when people are receptive to that mm -hmm. or when people are reaching out and they're saying, I need to heal. I want mm -hmm. this. Like, mm -hmm. I think what I've noticed as a therapist is that somebody needs to be ready for mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. to really experience that. Yeah. Yeah. And then when they're ready, it's, pretty freaking beautiful like, yeah. it doesn't mean it's easy because commonly the work is really difficult but it's also worth it so another one of my favorite sayings is like are you going to step onto the ex into the excruciating path of authenticity mm -hmm. like right. can't step onto that excruciating path to authenticity because it's more excruciating not to Right. You know, to be trapped in right. our history versus to right. be present in our now. Totally. You know, there's going to be pain either way. Exactly. Whether you decide to work on yourself or whether you decide to let it go to the next lifetime. Either way, there's going to be pain. Pain is part of the human experience. It's something that allows us to authentically then go to the other end of the stick and feel pleasure. Because if we're constantly searching for pleasure, it's like thinking every day the sun has to come out for me to be happy. If the sun came out every day, we wouldn't be able to water our our beautiful planet. You know, if we didn't have strong winds from time to time, we wouldn't be able to blow the leaves in fall to create a fresh mental landscape. So there's so many different uh, ideas. I have this thing in my head when I meditate from time to time. I call it my ideas room. And I just go in there and sit in my mind and I just watch the ideas just move through like the ticker tape of like the stock market. And they're just ideas. And some I'm magnetically drawn to and I'll kind of reduce that or expand that and others I'll just let pass because I have no interest but it, at least I'm trying to help my brain help me become curious about some of the answers that I might have been giving myself about myself and my life where I've been overly hard on myself that's beautiful well the ideas I love that yeah you know we're we're such complicated beings. You know, we're so, I think people need to realize that our nervous system, the human skin is, no other animal on planet has skin like the human being. And that's, our skin is like this so that we can read environments and we can adapt to an environment or we can reject an environment or we can embrace an environment. So the human skin is always reading, our somatic nervous system is always reading these environments. And it's basically saying three things. It's safe, unsafe, or I don't know yet. Yeah. And what I see a lot in therapy, especially sex therapy, mm. is I don't know yet. Right. And it's not a conscious process that somebody's saying, I don't know yet, mm -hmm. but the distress they're feeling related to their sexual health or mm. their sexuality is absolutely like, I do not know what's going on. In terms of like, oh, geez, I don't even know where to start with. Start at the beginning. Okay. Right at the beginning. Okay. So um, I was working for a nonprofit organization called Sapria. Mm -hmm. Sapria is a beautiful organization. They serve female survivors of childhood sexual abuse. And how do we, can we get a hold yes. of them online? Sapria, S-A-P-R-E-A, sapria.org. There you go. Yes. So I was working there. And like I said, they serve female survivors of childhood sexual abuse. So they have mm. two retreats. There's one in the mountains here in Utah. Mm. There's one in Georgia. It's a five-star retreat. 
and it's 100% free. Wow. Yeah. So before COVID, and they're, they're still doing their retreats now. I think they have fewer people that are mm -hmm. coming. But before COVID, they had 24 women come mm -hmm. every week. Well, three out of the four weeks of the month. 24 women from all over in the world come to these retreats. Wow. And as long as you spoke English, you could come to the retreat. They are expanding their languages now. Mm -hmm. I think they have their online resources in French and Spanish. I can't remember what the other one is, but they're phenomenal. Oh, but great. so many humans on this planet have experienced sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, and sexual trauma comes in many forms. Yes. When we think of sexual trauma, we think of a violation, a sexual mm -hmm. assault, which is what these women were coming mm -hmm. for. But sexual trauma also exists in our cultural influences, our media influences, mm -hmm. our religious influences, our family influences, our health influences. It's, it's like pretty intense. And our culture is so bizarre about it because they romanticize it and blow it up to be this like just incredible thing which it can be mm -hmm. but that we haven't necessarily in our western culture learned the tools how to like talk about it and communicate mm -hmm. about it and how do we navigate these things when there are problems mm -hmm. and so anyway at this retreat on the fourth day it's a four-day mm -hmm. retreat we would have a sexual health class mm -hmm. when the women finally felt comfortable with each other because they were all right. there from childhood Trust. sexual abuse, you know? So it's like, they get to a place where they're just like the sisters by the fourth day mm -hmm. and we'd have a sexual health class. And many of them were like, I've been in therapy for 10 years for sexual trauma and none of my therapists have even talked to me about my sexuality. Mm -hmm. But it's a huge like, problem for me in my life mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um and so i i just kind of realized this is a conversation that's not being had in terms of like healing right and so it prompted me to go back to school i did a i uh, got my certification from asect which is mm -hmm. the american associate um, american association of sexuality educators counselors and therapists super rigorous program it took two and a half years it was phenomenal but i it just expanded my view of mm -hmm. the diversity of sexuality mm -hmm. and like so meeting all those women who had the sexual trauma that didn't know how to heal prompted me to go get more education mm -hmm. and then that led me to opening my own private practice pow therapy which taps into my love of the pow skiing gotta have a little powder <laughs> yeah. in your life but it also stands for place of optimal wellness. Yes, place of optimal wellness. Right. And that place is here within our body, ideally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then also the environment that we expose ourselves to, if we're lucky mm -hmm. enough to have the privilege to choose that. Mm -hmm. um, but as I opened up my private practice and started doing more sex therapy, I was able to see, like, there's a lot of healing that needs to happen in this domain. Yeah. There's so much healing many folks don't know how to have the conversations mm -hmm. about these things and something uh ed had recommended i read the book the Tao of uh, sex health and longevity so i read that before we met and it was really beautiful because one of the things that stood out to me was the importance of attuning to your partner mm -hmm. where it's about pleasure versus mm -hmm. performance Mm -hmm. because our culture really kind of teaches that performance energy right. and then it totally disconnects right. particularly this is a generalization 
But if there's a heterosexual couple and there's a male and there's a female, commonly, this is a generalization, mm -hmm. commonly the male is so focused on the performance part of things because that's mm -hmm. what our culture has mm -hmm. taught our young boys and men. And so they're actually disconnected from even knowing how to be with a woman and how to please a woman. Right. Right. And the women, as a generalization, haven't learned how to even tune into their pleasure. Mm -hmm. It's so intercourse oriented, so genital focused, mm -hmm. and they're disconnecting from all the different pleasure points all of our body, points. you yeah. know? So I think that's like one of the most phenomenal things as a sex therapist mm -hmm. is like expanding the definition of sexual expression from sex as intercourse mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to sex as all different types of things, you right. know? Right. Um, and then the other thing that I have found has been probably the most profound mm -hmm. with my sex therapy clients is the dynamic of initiation mm -hmm. and how so many couples have so much dis discord mm -hmm. with the approacher, the avoider, mm -hmm. like, because commonly what happens is they're, it's very exceptionally rare that mm -hmm. any two people, or if you're in a polyamorous relationship, possibly more, mm -hmm. are going to be on the same spectrum in terms of like, um, desire levels. Mm -hmm. There's commonly a higher desire person, a lower desire mm -hmm. person, and like, how do you reconcile that? Right. We and, all can relate to that. Yeah. And so one of the most powerful things is learning to, that it always has to be 100% of the time. 100% mm -hmm. of the time. Mm -hmm. Has to be safe to say no. Right. 100% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if it's met with eye rolls, or if it's met with resentment mm -hmm. or if it's met from like stonewalling and leaving the room right. or sulking it's not going to be safe to say yes yeah so like that's one of the dynamics that is so important is like to me being embodied is being able to be real mm -hmm. with where you're at in the moment mm -hmm. and to be able to honor somebody else where they're at in the moment right so that's one of the most like profound healing mechanisms and sex therapy is like freeing up that energy mm -hmm. so it's always safe to say no so that it opens up the opportunity to even say yes it's powerful ladies and gentlemen it's powerful you know i found the out of all the energy in my body the energy of my pelvic bowl is the one that i have the most challenging communicating with it is so powerful and it introverts us so much into the present moment. And then what is my intention before I even go down into my pelvic bowl? The energy in our pelvic basin is like a nuclear power plant. And when most of us get our sex education, it happens on the beach, it happens in the schoolyard. It, you know, it happens through friends or somebody you, you know, you were friends with when you were young. You know, no, none of us really understand you know, sexual energy and what its real purpose is. And unlearning, again, there's that word unlearning, unlearning habits and then learning new habits when you're interacting with your pelvic bowl, I think gives us a, a much deeper understanding about who we are mentally as, as a person. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, one of the kind of, I hear you say unlearning and relearning, I love that. I'll talk about kind of like deconstructing, like, where did I learn this? And do right. I even believe right. this? Right. You know, because right. some of those things we might believe still and they work for right. us. Right, you tell yourself a lie long enough, eventually it's your truth. Yeah. Like the subconscious brain, the brain on some level is totally awake, but on another level it's totally asleep. 
It's just a tape machine. And when we look at kind of how the brain is made up, you know, we have this great frontal lobe, which is conscious. And we know that the frontal lobe can, can process or activate like 40 different ideas in any given second. So you have access to 40 files that you can pull down consciously to respond to whatever's taking place in your life. And that's fantastic. But the subconscious brain has access to 40,000 programs <laughs> every second. So when you think about personal growth or just any type of growth, here you are in a moment, something happens and you consciously become aware that there's a new way to interact with this subjective state it, that's different than how you've been interacting with yourself for years. So this travels through your hippocampus and the hippocampus gets all lit up. You get excited. Oh, I don't have to think that way anymore. I don't have to be angry at Joey anymore, whatever it is. And then it wedges up against this big vault door in the back of the brain. It says, wait a second. We've been thinking this way since 1981. We're not going to change this. We got all this set in stone. And hence the battle begins, mm -hmm. you know, and how bad do you want it? You know, how bad do you really, that's where the pain's going to be. But that pain holds pleasure. Yeah. If we can just hang it, how much are you interested in discovering how much of your life is rock solid truth? And that's where the rubber hits the road. Because that truth is really what keeps us living stress-free in a negative life. Mm -hmm. It's so true. When you're talking about that like wall that your body kind of hits when you're trying to yes, heal, like, it's powerful. Right. There's That's, a lot going on back here. It's definitely one reason why I'm an advocate for EMDR therapy. Yeah. yeah. Because it taps into our natural ability to heal. Our body knows how to heal. Yeah. It's if doing I, it all the time. Yeah. It I doesn't mean, say, hey, I'm healing. <laughs> it just does it. Yeah. Which is great. Because it doesn't have ego. You know, here's something funny. The other day I was talking to uh, a lady who's trained with me, but she's much more talented than just training with me. And she said to me, uh, Ed, there's no such thing as healed. There's only healing. And it just threw me off my chair. Mm -hmm. I was like, just changing the end of that word really began just to set in motion that you will be healing for the rest of your life. Until we're gone. Yes. Yeah, right? so, I mean, I, I think right. there's a point where the body just says, okay, I'm done. Like, right. That's, that's not. Right, right. Um, and let's push that way down the road. And that's why we, why we work with people like Michelle. So that while we are here in this body, we can squeeze as much juice out of this lemon as possible in understanding the purpose of our birth. Why am I here? That's another podcast. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it, it, it's I think we're here to trust. We're here to trust our choices. We're here to consciously communicate. You know, one of the, the problems with communication is the illusion that it took place. Yeah, true. You know, just because I'm talking to Michelle doesn't mean that she's listening. You know, it's, you know, communication is a two way street. There's a reason why we have two ears mm. and one mouth. And I believe communication is a three-way street. Oh, could be. Yeah. <laughs> so the way I kind of think of this, because we cannot truly communicate if mm -hmm. we're filtering what we're saying, if right. we're afraid of what the other right. person's going to think of it, right? So um, in sex therapy, one of the concepts that I love, it's called differentiation. Mm -hmm. Like to truly have a respectful mm -hmm. relationship with another human being, mm -hmm. this is a skill that I 
practice myself and then this is a skill that I encourage people to practice. So if there's a spectrum, try to see where my arms can be. If there's a spectrum, one end of the spectrum is emotional fusion and the other end of the spectrum is differentiation. Mm -hmm. So emotional fusion is when we're scanning for safety with whoever it is that we're communicating with mm -hmm. and we're changing what we're saying based on how we think we're going to be perceived or like mm -hmm. trying to manage somebody else's energy, trying to manage somebody else's emotion, afraid to be real, afraid to be mm -hmm. seen, afraid to be judged, afraid to have somebody angry at us. Right. So we hold what we really feel inside and then we're not even embodied. We're mm -hmm. not real. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we can't even tap into that truth mm -hmm. that you're talking mm -hmm. about. So when I say I kind of view it as a three-way street where the first step would be really knowing self. Mm -hmm. What are my values? What are my goals? What are my desires? What am I passionate mm -hmm. about? What are my tender spots? When am I stubborn? Mm -hmm. What are my weaknesses? Mm -hmm. What is my trauma? Mm -hmm. Like, what are my strengths? What are my talents? And mm -hmm. like being able to own those and yeah. know that they're special and not shut them down. Yeah. You know, so that first step is like really knowing self because it's so hard to communicate, especially in like a relationship, an intimate relationship or whatever, mm -hmm. if we don't know that or if we're afraid of that. Mm -hmm. So for me, the first step is like really owning that to the point where we don't have to apologize for it. Mm -hmm. And then the second step to me would be like communicating that. So mm -hmm. to you, for mm -hmm. example, mm -hmm. And for me to be able to tolerate whatever your response is. Right. But I don't waver mm -hmm. in who I am in that moment. Obviously, mm -hmm. we evolve and that can shift and change. And we can give people the freedom to do the same. Mm -hmm. But the second part of that three-way communication would be that I can express that to another human being mm -hmm. no matter what their response is. Right. So I build up my resilience to be able to be okay with being misunderstood, with being misrepresented with being judged or being embraced, you know? Wow. And then third step. This is why you need to hit Michelle. <laughs> third step is being able to receive that from somebody else. Yeah. You know, because in marriages and relationships and stuff like that, when our partners tell us something that scares us, we get angry, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So my mm -hmm. responsibility and that third step is to be able to hear what you are telling me mm -hmm. and to be able to, be calm and like receive it and respect that that's who you are as a human being that you deserve to have that belief or you deserve right. to have that preference. Right. So this comes up a lot. Um, I do work with po the polyamorous community and mm -hmm. I work with folks that practice consensual non-monogamy, mm -hmm. which takes great differentiation skills mm -hmm. to be able to say, well, I, I feel like I can fall in love with multiple people. Mm -hmm. You know, in many relationships, that's like terrifying. Right. But because some people are just simply monogamous and they don't mm -hmm. identify as that, but then they see it as a threat or that there's something wrong with them mm -hmm. versus being able to say, oh, well, this human being can actually love more than one person and feel mm -hmm. like good about that. Yeah. You know, so three steps, no self, communicate that mm -hmm. and then receive that from others. Wow. Yeah. That's just so profound. I didn't come up with that, but I love it. <laughs> where do you think we, how did we get to the point where we become less than positive about ourselves and others in the human experience mm -hmm. that we see here 
in 2022. So I'll use my hair for an example of this because mm -hmm. I believe it goes back to shame beliefs, mm -hmm. right? I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me. I should have done something different. All I can't trust behaviors. anybody. All learned. Right. So the first time I ever felt like I'm not good enough, I'm going to pull my hair out. I always say I'm going to have no hair because I use this example all the time. I keep pulling my hair out. <laughs> but the first time I ever feel like I'm not good enough, because we talked about before, we don't just store memory in our thoughts. This right. is a felt sense. Right. So imagine that I'm like three mm -hmm. and I don't feel good enough for one reason or another. There's imagery, there's thoughts, there's emotions, and there are body sensations. Mm -hmm. So that is a felt sense of I'm not good enough. Right. And there's a neural pathway. Here it is, this little teeny piece of hair yeah. that's created in my brain, mm -hmm. you know? Most of us, when we're so little, we don't have the words to articulate mm -hmm. that I don't feel good enough. Mm -hmm. You know, if I had a caregiver that could really attune to me, mm -hmm. pick me up, and I'm crying, 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 and they like teach me to soothe and they mm -hmm. tell me that, of course, you're good enough, you know, mm -hmm. and I believe them. Right. Then that neural pathway just kind of like, okay, well, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. But most of us don't have the ability as children to articulate what we're feeling. And so right. we internalize that. Mm -hmm. And then we go through life and we start gathering evidence mm -hmm. that I'm not good enough is real. Right. And the thing with the body, the amygdala, the, the midbrain, that fight, flight, freeze response of our brain mm -hmm. is that. It can't discern the difference between a real threat and a perceived threat. Right. So we gather evidence. Here we go. And go over here. We gather evidence. There's more evidence that I'm not good enough. There's more evidence that I'm not good enough. There's more evidence that I'm not good enough, whether or not it's true. Mm -hmm. So a true example where we might feel that is if someone's making fun of us, like, mm -hmm. you know, right. but commonly imagine there's a bunch of kids and they're playing and they're laughing and they just think they're laughing at me mm -hmm. that activates that same neural pathway of mm -hmm. i'm not good enough and now i'm not good enough i'm not good enough it activates that same neural mm -hmm. pathway to the point where now it feels like this big strong rope it feels like i'm not good enough this is an right. unshakable truth right right and so that's what we're battling in in terms of like not feeling positive about ourselves is the this really strong neural pathway that's habitual. Right. It just goes there. It's just wired. Yeah. And so that's why I love EMDR because EMDR specifically targets shame beliefs. Mm. And a shame belief is when something feels true, but it's not true. Mm -hmm. Like I could know that every other human being is good enough. Or I could lay down 10 babies and be like, of course you're all good enough. Mm -hmm. But I'm not. Right. You know? So just because we can intellectually understand that we're good enough mm -hmm. or if we can intellectually understand that we're safe now mm -hmm. after a trauma mm -hmm. doesn't matter if we intellectually understand it if our body doesn't believe that right. because we're going to be responding based on how our body feels yeah. about it yeah yeah that is profound so cognitive behavioral therapy can be helpful because you're challenging your thought processes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when you do that, you're creating new neural pathways, but you have this little neural pathway <clears throat> battling 45 years of something else. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that's why cognitive behavioral therapy can have limitations. Mm -hmm. And whereas EMDR can be so helpful because it lets our body process mm -hmm. the energy of it. We're not just trying to convince ourselves of mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So I have noticed um, I've been doing EMDR for over 10 years and I have noticed like working with people they've been like I've been in therapy for 20 years and I still feel like shit 
-hmm. you know, sorry to swear, but it's like so frustrating for them. And they'll do EMDR and they'll have maybe like eight to 10 sessions, sometimes more if it's chronic mm -hmm. trauma. I mean, sometimes people will be in therapy for years, you know, still, mm -hmm. but the healing just happens so much quicker when you let your body heal, mm -hmm. when you're processing all the different ways we store memory versus trying to talk ourselves into feeling right. another way. Right. We could talk ourselves into feeling another way, we would, the world would be feeling right. a lot better. Right. Right. So right. sometimes we need other interventions and the breath work that you do is mm -hmm. so powerful mm -hmm. because you know, it like, nothing can bring us back to the present moment like the breath, I mean. Right. So like to really tap into the truth of the safety mm -hmm. of the now is so powerful. Cause you know the impact when when we have trauma and the, the deep shallow breathing and how that affects all of our our whole entire body yeah. and how we feel and the cortisol levels and the health and wellness and all that. That's a lot that's a mouthful. I've just yeah. been talking. <laughs> you know, how do we how do we relax in to these these fears? when every fiber of our body says, says either fight, flight, or freeze. So it, it does take some time to be able to move into a relaxed state when we hit a tender spot. You know, we hear so much while you're here, mm -hmm. and, and since you're so talented in regard to what you're offering people in regard to what's happening cerebrally, what's happening in the body, different types of protocols so we can cover a wider spectrum of our offerings to our patients. We don't hear a lot in the scientific research community about this thing that we all have all day long called moods, good mood, bad mood. You know, we study the brain, we study thought, we study the body, we study feelings, emotions. Somewhere in between thoughts and feelings, there's this word called mood. And I think mood is really important in regard to any type of self-improvement. What's your thoughts on the word mood? What resonates with you when you hear mood? So the first thing that came to mind when you were talking about that is, is it the climate mm -hmm. or is it the weather? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because if I have a history of trauma, mm -hmm then I probably have a lot of shame in my body and a lot mm -hmm. of fear and a lot mm -hmm. of a lack of trust, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is going to impact my mood in terms of how I feel most of the time, mm -hmm. which would be more of the climate. Mm -hmm. Or is it the weather? Mm -hmm. Is it like um, I'm going through perimenopause, which for women, sometimes that can last like 10 years. Your hormones are shifting, your hormones are changing, mm -hmm. and you have the spike of just like being in a bad mood you right, know right and that's more like the weather it's a time of your life it's a period of your life where it's coming in and mm -hmm. it's moving through you mm -hmm. so i always think of is this the climate or is this the weather like someone who has chronic depression mm -hmm. okay is that the climate and what's influencing that climate yeah you know because commonly what's influencing that climate when there's depression i mean obviously there can be situational depression mm -hmm. but there can also be nutrition lack of resources to healthy mm -hmm. food um being exposed to toxins and not realizing that that's affected your brain and mm -hmm. your mood mm -hmm. like so when i think of mood i think i think of all the different things could, that can yeah. influence that yeah yeah and it's like is it the climate or is it the weather and if it's the weather what tools can you use to help you kind of get through that energy in the day so that you can move through a difficult mood and if it's the climate, then you're probably going to need some more sustained healing and more like holistic health care. 
That, that's a beautiful description, ladies and gentlemen. I, I never heard it put quite that way before. Yeah. Yeah. I know you connect with nature, and so I imagine that can resonate. But. Yeah, well, you know, we all were locked up in the houses for uh, X amount of time a couple of years ago, and, you know, we know that didn't work. And uh, But it looked good on paper. Uh, you know, I know that when I go out in Mother Nature and I just look around, any part of my limiting belief ego immediately is eviscerated and I just merge with this planet. And it's just such an, get outside ladies and gentlemen, breathe, smile, see the best in yourself. Just little things like this. Go see Michelle if there's any, if you know of anyone who's, gosh, trauma, come on. Trauma, who doesn't have trauma? We're, we're, we're all in such a painful state right now. And can we just draw a line of where we're not going to place any more energy on this particular thought thread or perception that might limit the Like There is a beauty in the struggle. If we can just pause for a moment and not feed the struggle the same way it went across my mind yesterday. Yeah. And when someone like Michelle, who's, giving you not only powerful information about your your brain your heart and your body when you have many different ways to move into issues things begin to shift yeah and i agree with you ed like i definitely also believe that nature is like such a powerful healer i think most human beings can like resonate with that right you know just to being inside is a recipe for depression sometimes. Mm -hmm. yeah. So just stepping out the door and taking a big breath or three mm -hmm. or five or 10 or whatever, you know, is just healing in and of itself. It really is. Yeah. So when we have folks who are getting ready to, let's just say metaphorically, close a door to a certain part of their life and visualize opening another door and there's a bridge that they have to cross, what are some strategies that it might have worked for you or just things at the front of your mind and help people build that bridge? Yeah. Well, I think having access to resources is huge mm -hmm. um, because it's really hard to have hope in healing mm -hmm. if you don't have access to resources or if you don't know mm -hmm. how to access resources. Mm -hmm. It makes me think about when I worked at the Unique Foundation mm -hmm. and they were learning about trauma in the brain and mm -hmm. all the aha light bulbs are coming on like, oh, that's why I'm responding this way. Mm -hmm. That's what a trigger is. Mm -hmm. Like, I think like a huge part of, and I don't necessarily think of it in the same way as closing a door and opening another. Right. It's like this history stays with me mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I get to keep the pieces that actually I gained from this experience. I like, that. I like that. You know, and I get to let go of the ones that no longer serve me anymore, mm -hmm. or that I just mm -hmm. don't need, or they're just, they're gone. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. not even here anymore. But like a huge piece to that is education. Right. I, I, in, in therapy, such a huge piece of therapy is education. Yeah. Understanding that your body is responding in a natural, normal way. Your, mm -hmm. Like PTSD, for example, mm -hmm. is the body responding to trauma. You're not defective if you have PTSD. Mm -hmm. It's your body doing what it's designed to do, to protect right, you. Right, you know? Right. And so it's so cool because then when you get that education, you realize, oh, PTSD isn't a life sentence. Mm -hmm. PTSD can be healed. Mm -hmm. You know, so 
crossing that bridge, I think a big part of it is education, mm -hmm. access to resources, because so many mm -hmm. folks don't have the access to resources. That's mm -hmm. hard. Um, and then I think like meeting other folks who have been through similar things so that you can also gain that social hope. part of the brain. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to shut down, pull the shades, when we actually just need to go out and have eye contact with another human being. Yeah, that's powerful. You know? I think about the women who, when they come to that retreat and they feel so alone in their childhood trauma, mm -hmm. and it's like terrifying, they don't even want to get on the airplane. And then they walk into that house and there's 24 other women who just know you don't have to speak mm -hmm. a word. Mm -hmm. Like the power of that shared yeah, trauma yeah, yeah. is healing, yeah. you know, so that helps you walk over the bridge. And and then I don't think it's really possible to heal until you can be embodied, right? you know, because that's where the healing really is. Right. It's right here in the now. And that's where your work's so beautiful. Well, what do you think? Who's running the show? The heart or the brain? The brain. <laughs> <laughs> the goal would be that they work together. Heart brain coherence. So, yeah, exactly. That we can be embodied and like take in the now and like our brain is our brain has been able to better discern. What I've noticed when people are feeling their trauma mm -hmm. is their brain is no longer telling them there's a threat when it's a perceived threat. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I, I can trust that my fight, flight, freeze response is going to kick in when there's a real threat. Right. And I can let it subside mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. there's a perceived threat. And sometimes we're going to be triggered and I might get angry at my spouse or something. I'm triggered and I think mm -hmm. there's a threat, but then I can soothe and realize, okay, that's a perceived threat. I think it takes time for the, mm -hmm. to have that coherence that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But until we have that coherence, I think this is actually pretty dominant because our primal survival mechanism is so powerful yeah you know? yeah it's interesting you know that's why the breath is such an amazing tool because it'll take the energy of the heart and lift it up into the brain and say hey dude chill a minute it'll take the energy of the brain there's all these details and it will breathe it down into the heart and there'll be a greater understanding almost instantly you know and, and yeah. just being present for our life you know we want to embody our thinking and and know that we're not going to be here forever and it's just, there's such value in human life and being kind to ourselves. And that radiates out into giving others permission to be kind to themselves. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful and true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you were talking about like, how do we, how do we spread this energy of goodness? It really does start here right. because if we feel good, right. then we make other, other people feel good yeah. and they feel good. Right. And they can spread that. Right. right. And there yeah. doesn't even need to be any words. Sometimes it takes tremendous strength to remain silent. And other times we, we speak when we should remain silent. You know, you can't learn anything new when you're talking, even in here. So silence is an amazing tool where we can kind of wipe the computer screen and wait for more intel. Now you're making me want to be quiet. Uh -huh. <laughs> Well, how do folks get a hold of you? How do folks uh, have the opportunity to work with you or have a consultation if, if they maybe themselves or if they know someone who might be uh, having some sort of life issue? Yeah. So I require a consultation for all potential clients because it really matters to me that you get a provider that works for you because mm -hmm. therapy is hard work. Mm -hmm. You know, so I require a consultation. It's a free consultation. It's 20 minutes. Um, 
And I only take on, to be honest with you, I work with highly motivated people Mm -hmm. because then you're going to get the most out of therapy. Like I've noticed if you're not ready to do the work in a way, you're almost wasting your money. So like I, I really am pretty um, picky about who I take on as a client because I want to work with people who are ready to do the work. Mm-hmm. So that's a wonderful offering, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you can reach me at powtherapy.com. P-O-W stands for Place of Optimal Wellness, not Prisoner of War. Powtherapy.com. You can reach out via phone call or the easiest thing to do is just reach out on my contact form. But I do specialize in trauma, sex therapy, and holistic health, meaning like what are the different things that are influencing the way that I'm feeling? Mm -hmm. And then I also partner with the Amen Clinics, like like you said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Such a multi-dimensional healer. And we're lucky to have people like Michelle in our life, providing the backdrop that we all require from time to time to get back on the road alive. you know, if you see Michelle in the tram line at Snowbird, make sure you say hi. That'll be your only chance to say hi to her because once you get off the tram, you won't be able to catch her. <laughs> you might hear me in the forest. If you hear a yip, yip, whoop, yip, 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 you're yeah. around. Yeah. But I do want to say one thing, like, um, nothing that I am saying is anything I created. Like, it's so beautiful to have mentors mm-hmm. in life and to have people mm-hmm. that you're learning from. I'm taking Ed's. 25 hour course right now, which is phenomenal. Like there's always so much to learn and everybody heals in different ways. So find your mentors, find what works for you because everybody's healing journey is unique. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on for this hour. It's the best hour of my life. Thank you so much. (laughs) Best hour of your life in this moment. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So, Hey, you, yeah, you, you're important. You're beautiful. And you're really needed in this life. So smile a little bit more. Open your heart a little bit more. And just breathe into all the beauty that's available to you. I know you're doing the best you can. And as always, go be great.